Hello, everyone. This is Michaela from Joy Inc., and you're listening to the End All the Things podcast. As a life coach and facilitator, I work with individuals and groups to empower their best selves to shine to the betterment of all involved. My goal is always to bring you closer to trusting the voice inside of you that is authentically yours. My job here is no different. In my journey through life, I continue to meet people who use their authenticity, their gifts, to grow, change, and serve through professional and personal endeavors. These people and their stories become my gift to you, for I cannot keep a good thing to myself, and I believe that they may inspire a part of your story to evolve. Today's guest, my friends, is Lisa Sanderson. She is Vice President of Marketing and Strategy at Gleischer Manufacturing. This is a family business, a third generation business that has continued to evolve over time. And she is now actively working in this space for operations and change management and sustainability with her husband and her dad. If you know anything about my story, you're going to hear a lot of similarities in our experiences and a lot of differences in our experiences. But what you'll find in this conversation is that change and evolution are necessary and need to be respected and honored and preserved. So let's find out more about Lisa and all the things. All right, we are here today with the incredible Lisa Sanderson. And as always, the purpose of this podcast is to look at how people grow, change, and serve, because I believe in in giving that away, right? So Lisa, today you bring a wealth of information, experience, and dynamic changes throughout your life. Um, But you and I have a lot of things in common, right? So let's start with that connection. And I'm going to call it out. It's women in family-run businesses, in manufacturing, in today's day and age. Take it away, Lisa. Tell us about you and your legacy through the family business. Well, thank you for having me. And I have to start by saying I never, ever thought I'd be in my family's business. Um, I think you feel the the same way. Um, There wasn't going to happen. I actually got back into it because my boyfriend at the time started working for my father and ended up being my husband and just happens. Um, On and off through the years, I've tried to help with them in the last couple of years, it does seem that I've been involved more often. And it is, it's an interesting dynamic, but it's a difficult, people ask me, what's the hardest part about working with my husband? And I actually say that the hardest part is that my dad's his boss. And so when he comes home and complains about his boss, he's really complaining about my dad. And that makes me there's nothing I can do about it. You know, I'm always wondering, well, how can I fix it? And I I can't. Um, so, but it's just a different dynamic because you feel guilty about it a little bit because it's your fault. Not really, but. Right. But it's, it's that, it's that complication. And, and I'm so grateful that you shared so vulnerably because I, I, yes, same to all of that on so many levels. Um, I started in my family business in my 30s with my husband, with my sister, with my dad, 
with my grandpa, with, you know, extended family. Like it's just this huge network of complication. And no matter what the roles were or what the dynamic was, any complaint or not even complaint, but bickering, frustration, or just generally, you know, like people are irritated with their jobs. And it feels so personal, right? Like you feel, I felt like I had to own that on behalf of all of these people that I love and worked with and wanted to still have Thanksgiving dinner with, right? Yeah, we, um, yeah, ours is a little bit different because it's not as much extended family. My brother decided a long time ago also he wasn't going to be involved and has never been involved. Mm-hmm. Um, my, yeah, so it's just really my dad and my grandfather before, but my grandfather passed away when I was in high school. So it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother also a little bit, you know, everybody's always talking mm-hmm. about my father and my grandfather, but I really have to push the fact that they could not have done that without my grandmother and my mother also working there and doing what they did. Um, yeah. you know, as it, a woman, it's a whole, it's, to me. Yeah. It's, it's a family important. business, right? Yeah. Um, but so how do you make it work? What's interesting to me is that, you know, not wanting to do it, but once something like this is handed to you, you know, so the point of that is it's really Doug in mine now, you know, my husband, Doug, and I, my father's still around, but we are in the last couple of years, that's kind of what changed is that we've empowered ourselves to be like, no, these are the changes we're making. We don't really need permission. We're going to do what we need to do. And what I, my vision is to change it from a family business to a business that is run by a family. And I don't think it's ever really been that way just because nobody had the background necessary for that. Right. Um, so there's so many, there's so many questions and things I want to bring <laughs> up here. Um, okay. Can you tell us the difference? Because I, I think I know this based on our experience with my family business. What's the difference between a family business and a business that is run by the family? Or or I don't know if that's yeah. the exact language you use. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah, it's about um so my grandfather started the business and he I didn't really have any experience. I mean my father's a mechanical engineer, which is why we're so successful as what we do, because my father had the knowledge to do what we, you know, make the machines and do what we need to do. Right. My husband calls himself a political science engineer because he has a political science background and um, now, you know, has had to learn the engineering portion of it. Uh, I My background is business. I have an undergraduate and a graduate degree in business. I've worked for larger companies. So I know what kind of is supposed to happen or what the big world looks like. I would say professionalism. I don't really like to use that word because it's not like we're not professional. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's different when you're only thinking about it yourself and you're thinking about how you want to look at things as opposed to how the world wants to look at things. And I think in the past, it was really simple to not worry about your HR strategies or not worry about budgeting or not worry because you know, you're closely held. Nobody else needs to see that books. It's everything's great. You can do whatever you want, but in this day and age, you can't really do that because you have to make sure your HR stuff is in line. You have to make sure everybody's being treated properly. You have to make sure your managers are talking to their employees properly. And so for me, putting policies and procedures in place is really the big difference, right? It's not just winging it. It's not just doing it the way we've always done it or, making things fit for us. It's making things 
go the way that they should be going. And change is hard. So that's like the biggest, biggest thing. I was just, again, so many things to think here. (laughs) Um, But I, one, one just like little note to think is I found myself saying when, when, you know, we're, we're approaching a hundred years, our family business. Right. And when I found people say, well, that's just how we do it. That's the way we've always done it. That to me was the first big, beautiful red flag saying, Ooh, this is a process that should be evaluated. What have you found in that evaluation process? Right. Cause it sounds like that's what you're doing. Okay. Well, that's not working. How do we upgrade it? And how to your next comment about change, how does that work? with your team, right? Because we've had, we have people that have worked decades for us or, you know, and, and wrote the process and how do you handle both? Right. Cause we want to pull the, pull the people, the process and the whole company profit included forward. But at the same time, we have to manage that change with the human element, right? How do you do that? Well, I mean, I think the change is the hardest part. I mean, the policies and procedures, I, I know what we have to do. You know, I know that we need to formalize some things. I know that, um, you know, just reviews, like we put reviews into place. We've never really had those before. Bonuses were just kind of based on, you know, how well Time we and thought, attention. You know, what, yeah. Right. So we want to make that a little more structured. And the change the change is, is hard. I think you have to get buy-in from upper people on the change. And like you said, we've had people that have been there, you know, 30 plus years. We recently, um, last year, someone left who had been with us 38 years and knowledge. And, you know, we're just starting to realize the knowledge that went with that. So Mm -hmm. to me, what's really important is making sure we have it, the processes down because it's a transfer of information, right? I mean, you don't want to lose the knowledge that someone has mm-hmm. who's been with you for 35 years. Um, it, but it's totally it, tribal, right? right. Like it, it's a tribal knowledge, but yeah, but it's so critical, right? And if we don't take the time, it's like a stitch in time saves nine, right? Like yeah. if you don't and do a little. But even convincing them to let you do that is difficult, correct? So almost, imp- almost impossible, not totally right. impossible. It's how do you do it then? What's the trick to get in to get them to buy in? Right. Well, I've actually tried to figure out even how to do it with my father. And what I've decided is just videotaping him. You know, the my marketing company that we're working with, they're like, we'll make a video. And I'm like, no, I'm going to sit down with my dad. I'm going to put the, um, my phone on and I'm going to say, tell me the story because I don't really even know the full story and it's going to get lost and I don't want it lost. And every machine, the same thing. Why did you buy this machine? Why did, what have you done to it? What's the best way to take care of it? You know, those type of things, really getting it documented. And I think part of it is letting the people know that their knowledge is so valuable, that that's why we want to keep it. And that this company that they've helped build is so important and valuable to us that we don't want it to go away. You know, we don't want to... Um, We've, we've been lucky and, um, I think that not lucky, but we, you know, we, we, there has been times when we've been lucky and there's luck involved. Right. And, you know, we have to change our mentality that it's not, it, we have to actually be more proactive about doing some things. And so, you know, hiring new blood in it's, that's hard as well because, yeah. really hard at, especially at an upper level, but how to manage it. And it's just talking to people and 
Doug's really good at it. He's been talking to everyone like, what do you want to do? What do you see? How can we make this work? Um, and letting people know. And I, the biggest thing for us is the follow through. So we've been announcing all these initiatives and all these things we want to do. And then if you don't follow through on it, eventually people are like, well, whatever. We're just keeping it. Here the they way go it again. All that. But we've been service. really, yeah, we've been yeah. really, really trying to follow through. And so that's, you know, difficult as well. So that's changed for me and Doug, who aren't the best at that. So that's something that we've been focusing on. But change is hard. I think it's letting people know that there's going to be change to make everybody better, everything better for everyone and not change. Like we're not trying to document how you do your job so I can replace you. We're documenting right. how to do your job because we want to memorialize what you know how to do. And so that your legacy will live on as well when you know you retire or you decide um so that's what that's how we're kind of managing well it. and that's it, it's so interesting right because i i have so many pictures in my head of our employees who are that person who who literally wrote the book 30 mm -hmm. years ago 40 years ago or built the machine or you know created the process and and it is hard because in today's world where there's this feeling of replaceability in our the the beauty of a family business is that that knowing and that culture that can support that person and adjust and be flexible but at the same time getting everyone on board to become a more professionally run and i say that you know again with respect to the fact that yes we are professional but there's right. a different level or different version of that that feels different mm -hmm. so when we look at those people, you know, people might be thinking we're talking about our employees, but you said your dad is one of the hardest to compel. And I want to speak, you know, from my experience, same, right? And it's not because my dad is, you know, disagreeable or against things, change or whatever, but things were a different kind of simple years ago, 70 years ago, when your family started, and there wasn't the requirement of understanding all these different silos and buckets of information and getting them to buy in can be very, very difficult. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that it's not to replace them. So, right. Cause we talked about this. We want our dads to, to go out and find joy and to enjoy their life and to really dive into the, the fruits of the legacy that they've created. Um, and we talked, I, I think we've done a pretty good job of supporting my dad and finding his direction. Where are you on that journey? And, you know, is it, is it something that he knows is time and he's resisting? And if this is too personal for dad, we, you know, we can step aside to another question. Um, but I think all of us can appreciate that there's that one person that we love so much and we need to put a boundary or, or a change management in place with, and we don't know how to do it because it's so yeah. big, you know, That's, do you have any wisdom for that? I wish I had more wisdom. I really do. <laughs> I mean, I think it's based on people's personality as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like, um, it's, it's a very difficult line because you don't want to say oh you've been doing it wrong for the last 50 mm -hmm. years you want to say you but you did the what you did and you thought was right and now it's time for us to come in and make some changes mm -hmm. it's hard 
um, when someone like my dad wants to micromanage things and wants to get into the weeds and I need to get him out of the weeds because he's done that for 50 years, right? Exactly. That's or, you know, the even our, our, our computer systems, it's always been unique to exactly how we want it instead of saying, wait a minute, maybe we should try to, you know, fix our peg to go into that square hole mm -hmm. instead of fixing the hole. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, we are a job shop. And so we don't just run, it's very hard to do processes. And because yes, we, a machine runs the same way every, but not really. But and everything is different every time. Exactly. And the thing that my dad brought to this whole thing is the engineering part of it. Right. So maybe the business part, he always managed and ran his mom did it first, whatever. And that maybe wasn't as strong a suit for him, but the, what I wanted him to do is leave a legacy on the factory floor. You know, I want the, like I said, he custom built all those machines. We can do things other people can't <laughs> because my dad figured out how to do it. And now yeah. my husband figured out how to do it and, or our Same. employees awesome. back figured out how to do it. So that's the legacy thing. I mean, like I said, I was speaking to somebody recently and they were, they said to me, you know, you've got to like pump them up almost to and it's, but it's not even pumping them up. It's just the truth. It's mm -hmm. not, we're trying to make you obsolete. We're trying to gather your knowledge. So your legacy can continue because when you can't come at my dad's 83 years old, when you can't come to work every day, um, or answer a question, right. Then we what? need to have that knowledge somewhere. So, yeah, I think it's, it is difficult. And that's the hardest part when this has been their baby, their whole life. I mean, my family's a bunch of entrepreneurs. So I don't really, I'm, my friends are actually, you know, talking about retiring. I've I never even thought, you don't, we don't think that way. We've never have. I mean, my grandfather. Just what's next and what's goodness. next. Exactly. So I think that that's, you know, we're thinking about retiring. We're thinking about <laughs> how to, you know, our exit strategy in a long time from now, but still like, you know, it's. Well, so as I, as I listen to you, um, I hear in the approach to how you look at management and operations and processes, I see a lot of evolved thinking. And I know that you've been through lots of education and lots of schooling, but you also have a coaching background, right? Yeah. And I'm hearing this very business meets coachy mindset. Can you tell us about, you know, the journey to become a coach, um, what that has given you here as you return to the family business? Yeah. I mean, um, so I say, I still am trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up because I'm not hundred percent sure. <laughs> um, but, oh, sorry. It's my turn. Um, I think, so what happened was, um, my background, as I said, was in business. I was in product management, consumer packaged goods. Um, when I, after I graduated from grad school and then I was looking for a new job when I got pregnant. And I never in a million years thought I always planned to keep working. And, but because of the timing, I stopped and I was very, very involved when my kids were little in everything and anything. And I helped start a, you know, a day camp at nursery school and everything. Um, at one point I decided that I needed to figure out what I was going to do next when my kids were a little older. And so I went and became a health coach. Um, I was really interested in some changes that I had made. It made me feel better about myself. I really wanted to help other people with that. Hey, hey there, amazing listeners of And All The Things. Thank you for being on this journey with me. 
The fact that you're still here, I have to assume this podcast has sparked your curiosity, encouraging you to think of life beyond your current boundaries. Now it's time to take that energy and channel it into a transformative journey where boundless joy awaits. Introducing The Course for Joy, brought to you by Joy Enterprises and me, Michaela, your joy coach. Life gets busy, I get it, but self-care matters and should not take a back seat. That is why we've crafted a four-week self-guided adventure to seamlessly fit into your routine. In just 15 minutes, a few times each week, our enlightening video lessons and engaging workbooks will guide you through self-discovery and bring you closer to growth. As a special bonus, when you enroll in the Course for Joy, you'll receive an exclusive 50-minute live coaching session. We'll celebrate your progress and create a roadmap for your journey ahead. Are you ready to paint your life with vibrant joy and purpose? Visit myjoycoach.com backslash course to learn more about the transformative Course for Joy. Let's amplify your joy and ignite your purpose together. Stay tuned for more inspiration and insights right here on And All The Things. I realize that making those kind of changes can impact the way you feel about yourself, the way you look and feel. And um, so I started doing that. Um, I actually ended up writing a book about, um, it's called If I Could Just Cook In My Car, A Busy Mom's Guide to Feeding Her Family. I mean, it's a simple book. I wrote it. I actually ended up starting writing it because my friend really wanted to write a book. So we took a book writing class together and it helped me. Um, We were talking about big. I would never have um, gotten, it would never be the product that it is without big. Um, You know, I met some really great people um, that edited it for me, that formatted it for me, that proofed it for me. You know, it was, it was, it was an experience. And then after, after I wrote that, I really thought health coaching was it. And, um, I ended up going to, somebody hired me to help them start a new store in my town, um, which was a cooking store type of thing. It it was very cool. And that kind of got me off track a little. And what I started thinking about was I love coaching, but maybe the business coaching is better for me. There's a lot of things about health coaching that are hard. Um, my daughter's currently getting her um, master's in nutrition and will become a registered dietitian. And there are a lot of things that she can do that I can't. And um, people want those things. So I had some struggle with scope of practice, which is why I've moved away a little bit. Um, not that I'll never go back because I keep learning on that too. But I learned that's where I sort of, and then I started business coaching because I was like, well, I think I like business coaching. Um, And I did that for a while. And then it became, well, if I can coach other people, why can't I coach ourselves? And it's not that easy when it's people that you know, it's kind of, you know, so um, it took a little while and it took some outside coaching to really get us to where we are. So between the timing of some things and the outside coaching that we've had, but because I know coaching, I, I can build on it as opposed to just being coached type of thing. Absolutely. And I think that, I think all coaches need coaches, right? Like we all need to have accountability. We need to have perspective and support. And, and what I found, I started um, working with coaches in my time at the family business, because what I found for me was it was very isolating, 
right? I didn't want to go home and complain about my boss because I'm complaining, you know, I'm complaining right. to another subordinate and it's just, it was just so isolating. So when I started working with a coach, I was able to say, I'm mad at this. I don't like that without judgment, without frustration, but it gave me the the language and the confidence to go in and say, okay, you might not like this, but I have this idea. I have this observance. I have this thing or observation, excuse me. Um, let's talk about it. Right. And I didn't know how much I needed it at the time until I was like, wow, this is so much better. Right. So as you, as you go through this, right, we've talked a little bit about your dad and all of that. I also worked with my husband and I think where we were, the season we were in and the season the business was in, um, it was, it was tough. We had a lot of tough times and we've learned, we've grown all the great things, but it, I'm going to just, it was hard. And it was sad and it was again isolating. How do you but you and Doug do it? You you and Doug yeah, seem yeah. to do it, you know, at least I, on yeah. a, a good direction. Can you yeah. tell us what what some of the conflicts are or were and and how do you make it work? Because that is that is a testament to probably communication and clarity and probably some confusion in between. Um yeah, so. I have to give a lot of credit to Doug for that. Um, I think you have to realize that even though we only, we always haven't worked together, air quotes, in mm-hmm. like side by side, I've been listening to this for 20, 30, 31 years, you know? So right, he's been in it the whole time where right, you've been on the Yeah, and so we've him. talked about things. I've given him advice and it never really happened recently like in the season that we're in right now he kind of sees us as a partnership and I've also changed myself as well so sometimes it'll take Doug a while to if I want to make a change it'll take him a while to get there but he does get there and he gets there on his own and instead of I had to change my thinking of I want credit I want the pat on the back that it was my idea and just go with, okay, it's happened. He's made the change. He didn't do it the way I would have done it, but let's see what we can do now. Um, he, the reason I give him credit is he's very, um, kind to me about the fact about my schedule. Um, I don't have a strict schedule. I try to all the time, but like, for example, today, after we're done, I was going into work and then my mother calls and needs a ride to the doctor. So I, that's why I work at my family's business because of that flexibility. If my mom calls, if my kids happen to call, whatever the case may be, I can prioritize that. Um, it works out for me. So that's what I think helps a lot. Um, I, I do want to be more consistent there. I think it's important, um, to set a good example. Um, but because of the things I'm doing, you know, my mother, when she worked there would be in and out, but she was doing different things than I am. So I'm working with people and I like collaborating. I really do. So, you know, I like being in there and having meetings and talking to people. So that's great. And I, I think it's so important to just say, you know, it sounds like you have an agreement. This is the agreement. I will do X, Y, Z. I will take this, this family, this, you know, the demands of the moment as my priority if you, Doug, company, take the company as the priority, I right. will do my job and I will do my projects. But 
it might look different. And that was something I had to adjust to because I also, one of the compelling factors for me to go into the business was the flexibility. I had a child that needed me in a very particular way and still does. Flexibility is really important. Um, But it also comes with that cost of like, I feel guilty, right? Or, Or something, I feel something awkward about this. Right. Or it's communicated and said, this is what it is. This is what it looks like. I'll knowing a good, I'll, I'll know I'm doing a good job if this is X, Y, Z. So I think that it's a beautiful thing that you guys have this arrangement. Um, but so in all those hats that you wear, what do you do in your free time? I know you're really into nature and skiing. What does, yeah. what does your uh, leisure time or fun time look like? Well, um, I do. Most of the time, my own time is like being active and exercising. I've currently like been playing pickleball, which I know everybody's plays pickleball now, but I really enjoy it. And so I've been playing pickleball and um, spending time with my dogs or going, you know, spending time with friends. Like that's really important to me, make time. And most of my friends still don't work. So it's, you know, trying to make time for that. But yeah, it's... um all of that's important, I think. And, uh, you know, sitting at my desk and going through papers and, oh, I'm also, yeah, I'm also on the, um, boards of our condominiums. I'm the president of our condominium board in Colorado. And so that's more work than you would think it is. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it really pours. so, but I like that stuff and I like working with people and being involved. So I am also looking into areas where I can volunteer more and make a bigger impact. So those things. What kind of impact would you like to make? Meaning, you know, thinking animals, nature, um, activism, what kind of volunteering inspires you? What type of things? Well, one of the big initiatives that I'm actually trying to meld what something I'm interested in with the business is um, sustainability and because I look in our dumpsters and it kind of makes me upset. I'm very big on, you know, the environment and trying to do the best I can. I know where none of us are perfect and I, you know, it's overwhelming, but I do the best I can. And when I see that stuff, I'm like, there has to be a better, a better use of it or a better way to dispose of it. And um, so I'm, trying to figure out an answer for that. So that's an initiative that I'm really going to start working towards more. It's um it's on my bucket list for the next, you know, especially 2024. It's like my big I really want to work on that in 2024, giving back to the community, figuring out how the company can give back to the community um so that it's it's me but it's also the com- the company has responsibility as well, I feel. And so those are the type of things that were that I'm trying to so, so I think this is a good place because you never know who's listening, who might have okay. some sustainability solutions yeah. for you. So tell us about your product. I realized we never mentioned what the business is, what right. the business does. So maybe <laughs> dear listeners, if you have resources for support trade or partnership and sustainability initiatives, I got your girl. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. So we, it's taken me a very long time to figure out how to say this because, you know, I've been in the business my whole life. So we die cut pressure sensitive materials such as Velcro or foams and tapes. And so we cut big rolls of tape into pieces that people use in other things. So we don't really make anything. We make parts for other people. Um, The biggest issue as far as sustainability is concerned is first of all, these products aren't usually recyclable. 
And once we add adhesive or the sticky stuff to it, then it's really not recyclable. Um, so I actually took a sustainability class through NYU and did a project and so had, you know, a far-fetched idea, which I don't even know if it's possible, but I really would like to, reducing, I don't think is a huge issue for us because we do really well on yielding on our material. Um, the reusing part is the part I really want to try to figure out what can we do with those scraps? Um, I'm not the only one. I mean, there's other, so I'm trying to find, um, I'm actually going to a conference soon. I'm trying to see if I can find some other people and, um, try to start this initiative because even if they're competitors we all have the same problem going to some of mm -hmm. the manufacturers so that's what i'm trying to find out what to do with the stuff that ends that does end up in the dumpster which then ends up probably in a landfill um it can't even really be it can't be recycled and so we have you know or can it can i find a way to recycle it or do something with it so that's those are the things i'm trying to think so yeah so i'm definitely Anybody that's into sustainability, that's interested in a project that wants to, um, you know, brain trust it, that would be great. Um, I'm actually thinking about even going to some of the universities and asking them to like as do it as a project with some of maybe That'd be their- That'd really cool. And that's where we have to get creative, right? Creativity yeah. over capital and and say, okay, I like how you, how you shifted it from, it can't be recycled to, well, we don't know how to do it yet or however the language was. Because it's so easy to just look at our situation and be like, it is what it is. I can't do anything about it. But the reality is a small 1% increase over time yields a tremendous return at the end of the year. I mean, I, I'm not great with math. I forget the numbers, right. but, but it's an, it's an absurd, like an absurd amount of growth. So it's looking at the things that make us curious, the things that frustrate us, the things that make our hearts heavy and saying, but what if there was a slightly different way? Right. What and that if and that's something that's also hard for me. Like I said, I never really was wanted to go into this business. And when I look at, you know, where we are and because mm -hmm. of this business, what we and I think it's then I look in the dumpster, it it does like you said, it makes you sad. Like sometimes it does. Um, I mean, I know there are people in the world that are doing much worse polluting than we are. Like I said, considering the volume that we go through, it's really we yield really well. So, um, I appreciate that, but yeah, it's, it's thinking outside, you know, the box and, and making small changes, like just starting recycling, making sure that our cardboard is actually being recycled, you know, starting there and taking little steps forward, I think are, are important. So that's one of the initiatives I'm trying to do at work and that's great. I'll also have to connect you with my sister. She led our sustainability initiative at Fimble. Oh, yeah. Um, and now we have solar panels and we have recycled office paper and we have oh, great. You know, more yes. concise delivery routes, like just the little things, you know, like we can't right now pick up and move the building and start it with high energy efficiency stuff, right? But exactly. we can do something with what we have. We can make better decisions with what we have, which has been a huge part of your career trajectory, right? Is is getting the operation, whether it was your body, your mind, your business in the right way to yield the outcomes that you want. Um, so I'll ask about something that maybe, maybe it was a glitch for you or not, I'm not sure, but I know when I entered the women in manufacturing industry, it was a little bit of a thing, right? Like it, it just, 
I walked into every room was a room full of men. Every room, especially with with our legacy in the garage door industry, we're not alone. There are many other three generation four, two and three, four. So it's this respectfully because it's a beautiful, powerful network, but a good old boy network, right? That kind of thing. And I had to learn to kind of stand up a little bit differently and to not feel intimidated in that space because I was a bit of an outlier. How has that experience been for you being a woman in manufacturing business? Well, I haven't had as much outside contact just because the majority of the stuff I'm doing is internal. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't yet started. That's something that's why I'm talking to people. That's why Mm -hmm. I'm getting out there to do that. Um, We're actually going to a conference next week um, that's gastric fabricators. So it's people that make the materials and they actually are are starting this year, a woman in manufacturing, um, you know, group. So I'm definitely going to go to that and figure that and be there and empower, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's a good point because I'm now I'm, I'm talking about 2012. Right. And I will say that over the 10 years that I was um, active in operations, it changed. I I, I remember going to trade shows towards the end and it was tons of women and, and there is a shift to that. So I appreciate See, I got into my old way of thinking and I made an yeah. assumption that it was still the yeah, same I mean, way. So I appreciate that. I was really excited to see that. Um, I wasn't even sure if I was going to go. And then I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to be in the ground floor on that so that I can see what's going on. Um, you know, getting more women involved in manufacturing because we just think a different way, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I think um, right. <laughs> and so I'm excited about that to see that. Um, but you're right. There's a lot of, I, I don't, I think manufacturing when you're smaller, I mean, the big, huge manufacturers, of course, they're much more up-to-date modern, that type mm-hmm. of stuff. But when you're a smaller manufacturer, it is like family owned. How do we get, you know, ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. type of thing. And it's, it's a lot m- more, I've been thinking about it a lot lately and it's, you know, a lot more difficult because you got to get somebody in there as the catalyst to be like, we have to change or else you're just going to keep doing it the same way. And like we said in the beginning, change isn't easy. So um, I think it's the same in manufacturing with for women. You know, mm-hmm. if women want to be involved, it's go for people it. People have to accept it. Yeah. Yep. You know. Um, well, so um, you and I both agreed that going into the family business was not in the deck of cards when we were kids or in our in our younger adult years. When you were a young girl, what did you want to be? What was the thing that you were most curious about? Oh, I wanted to be a movie producer. Tell me about that. Okay. So (laughs) what kind of movies? Was there a movie that you saw that was like, oh, I have to do that. Tell us about that. So I'll tell you, I I realized this recently is that the reason that in whole movie business, because you have to remember it was a lot different when I was younger than it is now, right? It wasn't like you just picked up your camera, made a show and sent it to Netflix. It was a huge production. It was a huge deal. There were four, five studios. It was very not women friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but when I was younger, I never really wanted to be on screen. So I think that's where, I mean, the producer thing came along later. I just wanted to be involved in it. And I think it was because I wanted to make a difference. Um, I just remember when I was younger and I'll suddenly tell my, that 
I looked at Madonna one day and, and she was doing some activist thing. And I was like, you know what? She has a voice because she of her fame, she has a voice. And I think that's where I always kind of wanted to be, have a voice. Um, so yeah, I took, I went into business. It was film and business is just, I'm less creative, more business side of it. So the production part just took place of it. I mean, I made it all the way to LA and I was working at a small independent company and um, I decided to go to grad school so that I would be more able to, you know, walk somebody's dog because that back then, the more letters you had, the better. <laughs> and then I went back to school on the East. I came back to school to go to school on the East coast and ended up getting back together with my boyfriend who was running my, who was working at my father's <laughs> So ended up back on the East coast, but. Okay. So, yeah. so a letter comes in the mail tomorrow that says we have decided Lisa that your concept for a movie is about to go in production here in LA. Please fly out and let's do it. What would the movie be? If you could create any movie right now, whether it was for an activist mindset or education or whatever, or entertainment. Yeah. What would your movie be? I still think it would be entertainment because that's what my daughter's actually want, wanting to do documentaries, but I think I'm still more entertainment. But because I think through stories, you can tell, you can come up, you can get across certain things. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, that's probably where it would be. I haven't really thought that's a really good question. <laughs> I have to think Something about that one. <laughs> I, have, I don't know what the theme of it would be. I mean, in the past, I've had like books in my head, um, you know, fiction books, novels. Mm -hmm. um, I've had play, you know, ideas for it, but I don't know what it would be. I'd have to, that's a good, definitely story. something to think about. I'm a big fan yeah. in today's world of, you know, when I look at, when I look at so many people, they're, they're doing the job, whether it's the nine to five or the flexible job, because they think they should, right. They think that's what's next. They think that's what's available and whatever those beliefs are, it keeps us in that space. And I yeah. love to ask people, um, and this is something that, and we just recognized that we both knew Tara Gilvar, who was episode 25 on my podcast and the founder of big, we didn't even know we had that connection before we right. started. Um, she asked the question a, a lot of who were you, who are you and who do you want to be? And then what stands in the way of that? And it very much aligns with a lot of the work that I do. Cause I'm always like, well, what did you want to be when you were five? Wait. What do you want to be today? You don't know? Okay, well, what do you want to be in 10 years? Where's the gap, right? And that's yeah. where we start looking at, um, okay, well, if you wanted to be a movie producer or a movie fill in the blank when you were a right. kid and here you are and in the future, we haven't filled that blank in, but what's the gap? You know, and so right. off the cuff, and I think I've mentioned this once before, I would say, Let's extend that that idea of interview or recording dad just in his you built this machine, you know how to tweak it right. to a bit more of that story, right? Let's right. really yeah. capture that story and interweave it into the operations that are created because that builds the legacy and that makes you, my dear, a movie producer. Yes, no, it is true. But I think interesting enough, what I've done is sort of take a step back as to why. You know, what Perfect. was it? And that's where, that's where, when I give the idea about, when I talk about Madonna being able to, is I've really had trouble with the vehicle 
but if you think about, and that's where I keep getting hung up, like, well, do I want to do this? But really in the end, I just want to make an impact and I want to be in charge and I want people to, you know, listen. Mm -hmm. And so I think the vehicle doesn't matter as much. Mm -hmm. So yes, I want to, that's a good point. Yeah. Yes. I wanted to be a movie producer and yes, I wanted to, you know, do all this other stuff. But in the end, what I really wanted to be like was, you know, impact boss bitch type of thing. You know, I really want, that's what I want. And so how can I do that given what I have? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I'm not going, but I've always wanted, I've always said I should have been secret sauce. What I'm can not I do going back what to, I yeah. want, given what I have. Exactly. And that's where it comes out. Like I have this business, like I have, I've, ha- I've been handed this business. Mm-hmm. So let's figure that out and let's see if we can make something with that. And with that, we can, you know, that business can do all these wonderful, great things. Right. And, um, and give back and, you know, help support people and that type of stuff, which, which we all also do because our, like I said, most of our employees have been with us a really long time. They're part of our family. We've supported them. It's, you know, that's all really important. So it is. And it's, and it's, it, you know, to go back to the beginning, it's the most important thing to keep that, that culture, when you go from a family business to a professionally run family business, it's the most important and the most challenging right? Because yes, we want to say, okay, well, you need extra time, go take it, go do your thing. But we also have to build in a policy. So it's equitable and aligns with our HR standards across the board, but we still want to be this nice, generous group, right? Um, What do you think it is about your culture that, that really makes people want to be there? It's a really good question. Because it's an important one, right? Because that's the thing to hold think, on to. I think consistency is something that um, that make people stay. Um, I think they find that they're good at something that they, I mean, I think that that's part of it. You know, we, we treat our employees well and they're good at their jobs and, you know, why, why change is mm-hmm. kind of, so I think it has as much to do with the personalities of the people that we hire, as well as the environment and the culture. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And it's these, these are the questions that are, that are important and critical to reflect upon, right? Because as, as any manager, as you're moving forward, right? Who are the people? Why do they show up? What drives them? Because let's face it, they could all just not come in, right? They're, no one's making them come in, they're choosing to, right? So how do we help people choose it? And where for us, where we couldn't increase pay at the time, you know, we couldn't just give away the bank, you know, we're coming through COVID and all the crazy things. So we, we just created incentives, right? We created more community. We created more access to benefits. We created, just highlighted all the things about our culture that they already loved that they kind of forgot about. Right. Big one. Yeah. Cause you know, um, I didn't realize until I started doing more H of the HR stuff, what are, how our benefits were. And I think that, you know, if you've been working at a company for 15, 20 years, you don't realize what you're getting, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't realize it. So we've been trying to do that as well. Um, you know, letting people know, I think they also like, you know, working together. They're like Mm -hmm. a family as well. 
So exactly. Yeah, it's pretty good. Exactly. Well, I think that the way that you approach the dynamic nature of your life and your company and all of the important relationships are setting you up for all kinds of interesting futures, right? And I think it will be vast and dynamic. But if people are interested right now in talking with you further about sustainability or family dynamics and different, you know, business arrangements, um, how can people find you? Well, they can um, email me at um, lisa.s at Gleisher, which is G-L-E-I-C-H-E-R.com. And or they it in the show notes too. Yeah. And um, I can also put my LinkedIn. You can put my LinkedIn sure. link in the show, show notes. And that's another way they can get in touch with me. Perfect. Um, and as we leave, one of my favorite questions, I'm a total Tim Ferriss podcast geek. And he asks the question, if you could have a billboard that would say anything to the world, not advertising, we're going to assume that all of your products are fully advertised. A billboard that reaches thousands, millions of people, what would you say on it today? Personal or business-wise? Up to you. Um, be kind to yourself and others. Perfect. And I think that that's personal in business, right? If we aren't running our businesses in a way that's kind and you know, fair to us, our people, stakeholders, and the environment. What are we doing? Right? And personally too. I mean, yeah. people just need, you know, I think people just need to be kind and think about that. So keep it simple, right? Yes. Well, so I really appreciate your time. It was a delightful conversation and it brought up a lot of parts of my journey um, that I maybe haven't thought about in a while. So I appreciate my own little trip down memory lane. Um, and we are very excited to watch all the things that you have coming up and to see you shining in your space, wherever you take it. And to everyone, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope you make it a great day. Thanks so much.